Welcome to Head Heart Homefront, brought to you by the Barry Robinson Center, the country's leading behavioral health residential treatment center for military kids. I'm your host, Erin Lindstrom, and I'm so glad you're here. The Barry Robinson Center created this interview series to celebrate Military Family Month. We're bringing together mental health leaders to chat about building resiliency and healthy, happy families through the ups and downs of military life. We know military life can be challenging for our kids and it can also present amazing opportunities. In these conversations, we talk about tips, tools, and techniques to navigate the highs and lows for both you and your children. The conversations have been incredible and we are so excited to share this episode with you. Hey, I am Erin Lindstrom and welcome back to Head Heart Homefront. I am so excited for our conversation today with Dr. Becky Porter. Uh, she is here with us now from Texas. And before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and uh, share her bio with you. So you have a little background about her and her work. So Becky Porter, PhD of MSEC, which is Military Child Education Coalition. Um, she is a proven people first leader with more than three decades of military service. As the CEO and president of Military Child Education Coalition. She oversees a wide range of research-informed initiatives and distinct programs for military and veteran-connected students, parents, and youth-serving professionals. So MSEC was actually founded in 1998, and it is a global nonprofit leadership and advocacy organization dedicated to ensuring inclusive quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, transition, deployments, and family separation. MSEC is a professional coalition with diverse community consisting of public school districts, private schools, colleges and universities, small businesses and corporations, nonprofit organizations, military commands and installations, military families, and caring individuals from local communities across the nation committed to supporting environments where military-connected children thrive. Wow. So this sounds pretty incredible, Becky. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me today, Erin. Wow, it does sound like a lot when you read it off like that. It does. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. So I would actually love, if you wouldn't mind kind of starting us off, we would love to hear a little bit about you and your journey to MSEC. And also, if you could kind of humanize that language, right? Tell us a little bit about um, the heart of MSEC and what you guys are up to in the world. So uh, thanks for that question. I actually, uh, well, I'm. you said I had over 30 years of service in the Army. I, I concluded my career as an Army clinical psychologist um, after 28 years of active service, but I also had guard and reserve service as well. Um, But about 19 years ago, uh, I was working as a special assistant to the chief of staff of the Army. And they asked me to, one of the things that I did was work on education issues for family members and also for service members. And they asked me to proofread a, a research study that um, this organization MSEC had done for the Army. And um, MSEC was just about two years old at the time. And they had uh, written this, conducted and written a survey called the Secondary Education Transition Study, or SETS. And um, what the Chief of Staff wanted to find out at that time was what were the, what were the particular challenges that military-connected students were having, mm-hmm. especially around moving from one station to another, um, and what, we came, what came out of that study were a couple of things. One was, was just kind of a um, uh, um, confirmation of what we had known 
anecdotally for years um, about the, the academic challenges, the curriculum differences, um, and also the social and emotional challenges that military connected students had. And so I proofread the study and at that time my children were uh, in elementary school and I said to my husband, who was also on active duty, I said, you know, this is really tough for military kids. We need to get out of the army as soon as possible. <laughs> and, um, but then I got to the end of the study and I saw the recommendations uh, for how to improve the, the circumstances. And so we stayed on active duty mm -hmm. and, um, and proceeded with, with, you know, each of our military careers, but I continued to volunteer with MSEC even after I wasn't working with them through my job. And, um, and in that time, uh, I, I did trainings for them. I facilitated different kinds of workshops and convenings of community leaders and also sat on their science advisory board, mm. um, which is really kind of a hallmark of MSEC that, that the content and the programs that we put together are based in research and have um, really rigorous underpinnings. And so I, I continued to stay involved with the organization. And then um, about uh, two years ago, they asked, uh, they said that the founder and CEO, Dr. Mary Keller, was planning to retire. And they asked if I would be interested in applying for the position. Mm. Um, and I, I was in command in uh, Germany at the time of Public wow. Health Command Europe and said I, I, would, I would apply for the position, but I wouldn't leave command early because I really felt like it was important to see that through. And so... Um, as it turned out, I was uh, hired for the position and retired from the Army to go to move to Central Texas, where our headquarters are located, and um, started working there. Wow, that's incredible. It, 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 it was, um, I could not have asked for a better transition from, from active duty service to now continuing to serve military-connected students. Mm -hmm. And I love how MSEC kind of like came up on your journey at one point, and then it looks like it was a seed that was planted and this kind of bloomed like as time has gone on. It really did. And um, interestingly, even though I stayed connected to the organization, I really didn't have a full appreciation of everything that MSEC does until I came on as the CEO and really had a, a pretty steep learning curve. Wow. Yep. So can you tell us a little bit more about what MSEC does? Sure. We have um, various lines of effort um, through which we try to make a difference for military connected kids. Um, one of them is with our student programs and uh, we have, we, we teach schools how to stand up uh, what, what's called a student to student or S2S uh, club for students because what we found all the way back 20 years ago in the set study was that um, the first couple of weeks that a military connected student comes into a new school are really critical in determining how well they do academically and how um, accepted and how well they feel like they fit in. And so these, these uh, clubs, if you will, are set up um, with the idea that they welcome new students. And, and one thing that I think is really great about them is they're not just for military students. Mm -hmm. So they'll welcome civilian students who are new to a school and civilian students can be in the club too. So okay. that's, one, that's one way where we really make a difference directly with the students. We also have a parent program uh, that, that does workshops and trainings for parents 
and we have parent programs or, or parent to parent teams at different installations. Um, and those are in person workshops. But one thing that's happened during COVID is that um, we've converted those to virtual experiences. And now um, it's kind of broadened our, our horizons so that we can interact with parents who are not only at the places where we have teams. And I think, um, I mean, that's just been fantastic to be able to reach more parents in that way. Yeah, that's incredible. It's we, one of the oh, opportunities of the virtual it, like, world. It, it really, it really has um, demonstrated to the MSEC team just how they can really reach, they can continue to, to accomplish their mission and reach even more people, um, even without being face to face. And, mm -hmm. and, and that is, that has been an advantage. We also have um, uh, professional development programs for educators and school counselors um, and teaching them about about the, the special challenges of military connected students and how they as educators can work with those kids to um, to help them thrive academically and and emotionally and we also have a military student transition consultant program um, where we we have some employees who we pay to be located in various schools to provide a concierge service in concert with the school liaison offices that are part of the De Department of Defense to make sure that military families transition uh, as smoothly as possible into a new, a new system. Wow, that is really incredible and really like across the whole spectrum, it sounds like you've thought of everything. <laughs> we've tried, we've yeah. tried. <laughs> I'm sure there's always more, but that is really substantial and incredible. Can you tell us a little bit about, so I think um, a lot of times there are, you know, perhaps uh, preconceived notions about what it's like for military children to be moving in schools or military connected children. Can you talk to us a little bit about like what are some of the challenges and opportunities from moving? Well, I'm really glad that you put it that way, Erin, because there, there are challenges, but there are also opportunities. Um, and the challenges come in the form of different schedules, different, uh, so like a block schedule versus a traditional schedule. Mm -hmm. um, there are um, differences in the uh, progression of a, a curriculum around, for instance, math, um, or just trying to translate from one school system to a next what, what you've already taken, you know, what classes you've already taken. Or in some cases, it could be something like um, uh, when I, when I lit, when my parents were stationed in Washington State, um, I took Washington State history. But now before I've graduated from high school and we're stationed in Texas, now I'm supposed to take Texas history. What do I do about that? Right. So the, those are some of the challenges. And of course, challenges around extracurricular activities, trying out for teams, um, or, or just fitting in or finding your kind of social group mm -hmm. when you get to a new school. So, but, but those challenges, um, there, there are organizations like MSEC to, to help address it. There are, um, there's uh, the Military Interstate Children's Compact Commission, MIC-3, um, of which every state is a member and has signed on to facilitate some of those academic transfer issues. Um, and we can put people in touch with those. Um, but the, but the, the benefits, I think, for military-connected kids um, really include things like the, the resilience that they develop and their ability to fit in and make friends almost anywhere they go. I mean, it's different in different situations and different kids, but um, I, I was having a, a, a 
conversation with my son just this afternoon before we before we got on the call and um he's he'll be 26 next month and he lives in new york city and he commented on the fact that he's always felt like he could fit in and make friends and kind of make things work wherever he goes and and i think it's attributable to the fact that you know he he changed schools like seven times while we were while he wow. was growing up so um, it might have even been more than that. Um, the, the military kids change schools on average six to nine times um, between kindergarten and graduating from high school. So um, it's learning how to be flexible, learning how to, how to make friends. Um, and all of that is really um, challenged in this current environment with COVID too. Right. On top of moving, then being virtual and learning a whole new world, like in that respect, I imagine kind of layers on another layer of stress in some ways. Exactly. It really does. So you, so you have a situation where maybe a military student is new in a, in a school system. They don't know anything about the teacher. They don't have any interaction or history with the teachers that they're working with, maybe online. Um, they can't run around in their neighborhood and knock on doors to see um, what school age kids are there. Right. Um, it's, it's really challenging. And, and one thing that we found, um, we recently did a, a survey um, to kind of put a bookend or at least another mark on the wall related to the secondary education transition study. Mm -hmm. We did a study called Mill Kids Now Survey. And we gathered data from February through May of, of 2020. So we started it before COVID blew up and then we, we're still collecting data um, as schools were um, trying to figure out how to educate students in this environment. And one of the things that we found is that students, um, just like 20 years ago, they really do feel the social emotional connection and fitting in is one of their, one of the biggest stressors for them and one of their highest priorities. So um, programs like our student to student you know, club is yeah. one way to help with that. But I think also just um, educators and parents realizing that for adolescents especially, um, the social connection is so, so important. And being able to um, check in with students or your kids mm -hmm. and see how they're doing emotionally. I mean, really, really important during this time. Yeah, I think that's incredible and so, so true because the that feeling of wanting to fit in is really like the, the call for belonging. And it sounds like you've really put in um, just different, like I love this idea of the club and having both communities for the parents and the student, students to feel like they belong, to be part of something when you're walking into something new. is such a beautiful way of kind of like creating that stepping stone into a new place. Yeah, and, and like I said before, I mean, one of the things that I really love about the student program is that it includes, it includes civilian kids too. Right. So, um, and, and it helps our civilian counterparts get, get an idea of what, what military life can be like. But it sounds like empowering the parent, be part of the team, making sure that their child like feels belong, like they belong and kind of checking in with them on their social and not just the academic forefront, right? But like, are your emotional needs being met in this new um, setting? Can you speak to that a little bit and just how for parents who are listening and like, yeah, I'd love to, but like, what does that actually look like? And what does that mean? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great question. You know, um, maybe it's because of my background as a clinical psychologist. Uh, 
as opposed to being um, coming out of the education community. But I think a lot of educators probably feel this way too. I feel like um, students really can't take advantage of the educational opportunities that are available to them unless they're, unless they're feeling good, well-grounded, supported by caring adults, um, and feeling connected to, the, to their peers. So, I mean, that's why I really, really think that your question is important. And, and what parents can do, I, I think, you know, I mean, I, as a parent of previous teenagers myself, I know you can feel obnoxious or they can treat you like you're obnoxious or intrusive. Um, but, but what I would tell um, parents is that it's, it's okay to ask and it's okay to say things like, um, are, are you feeling like you're socially isolated? Are you feeling like you might want to hurt yourself? Um, a common mis misconception is that bringing up those conversations and bringing up those topics can actually um, give somebody the idea that they might want to hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. But in fact, that's not the case. Um, really, it's, it's important for the person that you're talking to to understand that you understand they might be thinking that way um, and that you're here to support them and to help them um, get the help they may need and also help them start to think um, be future-oriented in the way that they're thinking, which is something that's so important, especially during COVID. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing. Um, as far as for families who are maybe navigating like a rocky waters in this moment, are there particular resources you would point them to or things that they could try at home uh, to kind of grab that a little more to support their kids? Well, um, actually, yeah, there are. Uh, of course, um, our website is militarychild.org. Um, I, I think Barry Robinson Foundation has resources as well. And um, we just recently started working with the Military Family Research Institute at Purdue University in putting out an online um, resource for families. Um, oh gosh, now I can't remember what it's called, but it's on our website. And um, it's, um, it's helping families cope during tough times, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And it's a really, really neat, um, kind of like it's it's an online it's on Facebook um, it, but you don't necessarily have to interact with other people but it's like a, a, a regular posting of tips that are designed to boost resilience and um, I and it's and it, they're like family activities but they're they're short there's not like a, a big time commitment and really right now that's you know the last thing you want is more on on right time right, right? Yeah. Um, and so these are these are pretty brief but but helpful proven tips that families can use to, to build resilience at this time. I love that, thank you. And then lastly, like as I'm listening to you speak about this, you have a passion that you can feel, right? Like you honestly care about this. It sounds like it's much more than a job. It really is like a heart project. Can you just share with us a little bit about like why, why is this so important to you? Well, it, for a couple of reasons. One reason that it's important to me is just because um, I've seen up close and personal um, how it is for military connected students, um, whether it's because of a move or because of a deployment, um, which impacts guard and reserve as well. I mean, it's, it's tough for, for those kids to, um, to move all the time or to see their parents go into harm's way um, or to just even be away for a while. Mm -hmm. so, so there's that. Um, I want, I want for, for children to have um, the best opportunity that they can. The other reason that I think it's important is because 
in my heart as a as a retired soldier i believe that that it impacts our national security mm. if you if if you cannot retain good service members or um or they're they're worried about how their kids are getting educated or what their circumstances are at school then then you decrease the readiness of your force and so for me it's it's both about the children and it's about our national security Wow, that is such an interesting like perspective. I really appreciate you sharing. I have chills actually because that <laughs> it's a of course everyone matters, right? And these children, our children need to be taken care of. And then when you put it in the perspective too of like this matters on a national level and a global level, like wow, it makes so much sense. Well, thanks. Yeah, thank you so much for your time today in this conversation and thank you so much for your service and all you do to support to support everyone. It's my honor, Erin. Thank you for the opportunity. You've been listening to Head, Heart, Homefront, a production from the Barry Robinson Center, the country's leading behavioral health residential treatment center for military kids. Many times, kids with behavioral and mental health issues don't improve with typical treatment options in their community. Families may need to consider long-term residential care, and this is where the Barry Robinson Center excels. They're a mission-focused nonprofit organization based in Virginia. Their residential center is the only one in the country that works exclusively with military kids. They understand the military community as many of their employees are military connected. Their high quality treatment includes a wide range of services to help improve the lives of children. If your child needs additional support, check out barryrobinson.org. Navigating mental health can be challenging and we want you to know that you do not have to do it alone. Thank you so much for listening to Head Heart Homefront. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know with a five-star review if you're listening to the podcast or a like, comment, or share if you're listening on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, be well.